to another episode of Ruben the Cuban as we talk commercial real estate and celebrate life. Uh, here on our podcast, we like to uh, talk always a little bit about a cigar when I get started. And today in my hands, and I actually have been chomping on it since this morning, I have a Rocky Patel LB1. It's a medium uh, body uh, Robusto that I truly enjoy. I'm a big fan of Rocky Patels, and I'm sure some of you guys and gals are out there because, yes, there are some gals that like cigars, and I've run into them, and they told me about it. So uh, I hope you're enjoying your Rocket Patel or enjoying whatever cigar you have in your hand or as you're cutting the grass or driving home from work. And uh, with that, I want to dive right into our guest today uh, without uh, a few, any further words about it, because I have Nick Harbaugh with me, and he has a couple of different companies, and we're going to hear about his story because he has one heck of a story. And I think a lot of things that uh, some of us could uh, definitely get some nuggets of information from. So with that, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thanks much, Ruben, for having me in the studio. Well, hey, I, uh, we, Nick and I met uh, about a month ago at a, another friend that put together a dinner uh, with uh, a bunch of um, entrepreneurial type minded you know, real estate centric, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, individuals. And we had a great, great dinner. Uh, delicious time. We shared a cigar afterwards and, and, you know, and some, uh, some scotch and so forth. And I heard a little bit about uh, Nick's story. And I was like, Nick, you got to come on the show and tell and let the people know a little bit about your story. So uh, Nick, why don't you take us to the beginning a little bit? I always like to start off, you know, early Nick, young Nick, uh, where'd, where'd you grow up? How'd you get started? Absolutely. Give you a little backstory here. Originating from Ohio, uh, rural area, about 30 miles outside of Columbus. I started out in uh, college and thought I was going to go down the engineering path. And obviously, I uh, quickly realized I was not a good academic student. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully, we had an opportunity to kind of segue and start a, a company. And we got a hold nice. of some nice brands back in the late 90s. And that was everything from Radio Shack to GNC. And then we fell into Lowe's, the home improvement you know, uh -huh. wave of growth. And we kind of rode that for a number of years and, you know, did uh, it really expanded our boundaries across the entire United States. So before before. So you started doing you said installations. Correct. So what did you call it specifically? Because this is a little bit of a niche. Absolutely. A niche, I would say. You know. No, no, not. A, uh, I like the clarification. So installation can be fixtures, millwork, anything that holds or supports the product in a store. It could be metal shelving. It could be decor signage. So the visual aesthetics that go around the store, drawing the consumer to where the products are down below. Ah, so you're, you're the guys that go into a lot of retail places and make like the, the Nike shoe just look like it came off of Michael Jordan's foot and just like glowing. Right? You got it. We'll build that display. We put up the whole rack of shoes behind it. We get installed the decor signage direction, uh, directing the eye, eyeball of the consumer down to that shoe. Oh, OK. Nice. Nice. So you started this in the 90s. Correct. With Radio Shack. That was one of the first ones, one of the first large, yeah, you know, larger, multi-thousand unit retailers that we connected with. So oh, okay. It, it, we, we were very fortunate, you know, to, to be honest and candid, but it, it forced us to expand nationally, uh -huh. you know, moving on quickly. We escalated and I, I've followed that growth to the West Coast by following Lowe's and their expansion out West. So that's back when that they were zero presence out there. They acquired a small chain, a couple hundred units. Hey, can you get, we had experience in, you know, building their stores in about a seven state region through the Midwest and, and mid Atlantic. And I said, I raised my hand quickly, you know, take me out of Ohio. I'm ready to bounce. Oh, nice. So let's go. Nice. So slid into San Diego, hang out there for about nine years. Yeah. And then at that point, um, uh, I had the opportunity to make another shift. And in 2005 rolled in. So at that point, 
I gave uh, some of my old national contracts to an old, my old business partner. Mm-hmm. We still collaborate to this day. We have a fantastic relationship. And then I left the States and went to Central America to Costa Rica. Now, that's the part that uh, really intrigued me when I first uh, <laughs> got to meet the fabulous uh, Nick Harbaugh. And we'll get to the Harbaugh plot because, you know, I'm Chicago. There you go. I've got a little football. I mean, I don't, we'll see if there's some connections there. So Costa Rica, mm-hmm. you're 2005. We're now 223. So you've been down in Costa Rica for a few years now. It's been a hot minute. So you are able and you're working, I mean, living in Costa Rica, yet working all over the world, but a lot of stuff here all over the country. And think of the technology and how it's advanced over time. When I first went down there, I was so old school. I was like Fred Flintstone. (laughs) I'm I'm rolling around with Magic Jack in my bag and, you know, every type (laughs) of technical device to try to reconnect on Mm. first world expectations. Wow. Right. Yeah. Now these little young digital nomads, it's, it's easy for them. They just plug and play. Yeah. You know, so I've seen that whole creation of the system, but I learned that through retail. So wow. coming, coming back to you know, mm-hmm. the retail market, when Lowe's and Home Depot, primarily Home Depot, they were the driver, went north of the U.S. border, Canada, mm-hmm. and south of the U.S. border, Mexico, I got to see that growth. And I took, I've done projects in, you know, all every, almost virtually every Latin American country in the Americas, Mm. but that really opened my eyes up to where, gee, all I need is an international phone plan Mm -hmm. and I could still communicate first world, but live in the jungle or, you know, live in the, you know, a dirt road in the middle of nowhere in Latin America. Wow. You just gave me a a picture of, uh, narcos with the little cell phones or the satellite <laughs> phones somewhere out there. Sorry. My mind just went all over the place. I tell you, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Wow. Wow. So you're now, you so said Costa Rica, 2005 doing yep. these deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, you also shifted or you started? So flexecution, when did that, when, where, did, where did that? Yeah. Um, I'll provide start? a little backstory here as well. It's pretty cool. Um, flexecution, uh, the, the primary senior part, managing partner, uh, Mr. Larry, I'll give you some kudos here, bro. Uh, we were uh, we were actual competitors back in the 90s. Uh-huh. We, we each started our, our organizations about the same time. And when I ended up selling my entity, I would see him at some of the shows. And he's like, hey, what are you working on? And he's just a ball of positive energy. And I'm like, nice. well, I can't chat with him. He's a competitor, right? Uh-huh. And I realized, Nick, you don't even have a banner above your head right now. So he's like, hey, what are you working on? Can we find a way to collaborate? So long story mm-hmm. short, over the next you know 12 to 24 months, we found ways to collaborate. And it's one of the most uh, fulfilling relationships business-wise that I've had because of their ethos and their ec- ethics within the organization, the entire team. Mm-hmm. So I love going out there, pulling in the whale. We actually you know, you know, define the scope of work and what, what is needed. And then we work as a, an entire team to collectively you know, execute those pieces of business now. Oh, okay. So I take it Flexecution uh, was in the same business, same line of install. Exactly. Sorry, I, di- I didn't clarify. No, no, just. Also an installation provider. Okay. You know, so, and again, that can be during a new store build out, you know, company ABC, you know, um, Coach, for example, wants mm-hmm. to build a hundred stores or company XYZ wants to remodel, you know, 30 or 40 stores. You know, CarMax, you know, th- mm-hmm. things like this, that where we go in there, we help visually and aesthetically make those stores look the way that they're designed to look from the architect design firms. Oh, nice. So do you work directly with an individual store or are you working more on the corporate level, working with their interior team or so forth and trying to deliver a certain 
we, enough colors, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, great, great question. We don't get involved in the specking, it's called, for specifications on selecting what colors and so forth. Mm-hmm. Typically, that's put on paper, if you will, on the yeah. blueprints. And then we, we're handing, handed off that, that type of information. But ideally, you know, volume drives profit, right? Mm-hmm. So ideally, the larger the, the quantity of units, the better. Right. Right. So we've done to give you an idea, you know, a household name, 7-Eleven, mm-hmm. pre my uh, connectivity with the organization, we blitzed 8,500 stores and and performed a, an actual an amazing task of removing the entire check stand, installing new check stand. Right. Mm. And that's removal of product, disconnecting the, the POS system, all this. And then, you know, boom, copy, cut, repeat 8,500 times across the U.S. Wow. Uh, all the way down on the flip side of that coin. Is we've done one store, one-offs, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. So it, it's very diverse and every project is totally different. You know, they're, they're all kind of unique in their own snowflake. Any particular project or company or whatever really kind of stands out as like, oh, this was a really cool uh, project or, you know. I mean, it one sounds that like comes- you, have, you have some big brands there. You got 7-Eleven, got Lowe's, Home Depot. Yeah, well, I mean, like I uh, what I like to explain to folks, we do work with anybody that's got typically over a few hundred units. We've probably done something in their their brand. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just recently, we were given an award, I think, uh, two years ago uh, with Aramark. And I love this program taking over a very old historic area out in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So huge military influence and so forth right there. Went into the two-story structure, completely demoed, redesigned, manufacturing of fixtures, complete installation and and won an entire award for the team of folks that was involved. So nice. Really eye-opening to hit a home run like that. Nice. And and something that relates to, you know, military and, and all the history well, associated. Yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So I, I guess, enjoy those type of programs. So that that kind of I would say, you know, kind of solidifies that, hey, you've been in the business, you know what you're doing with this the install and there's obviously a marketing component and so forth. Um just to kind of in that segment of, of your career, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, you said you were able to go get some, some whales, you know, some, some big accounts mm-hmm. in, in getting those accounts and, and so forth. You know, some people say, Hey, if you're going to chase whales, you know, you have to have a bunch of letters after your name for all the different diplomas you've been able to achieve and so forth. And mm-hmm. kudos and congrats to those have been able to achieve those. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, it sounds like you weren't even, you know, phased by that. You were just being Nick and just going for it. What, what, what do you, what, what would you say are, are some of the, the things you've learned the best way to approach those type of bigger accounts or, or, or to try to, to um, you know, win their business, basically? I, you know what I would start with is honesty, mm. um, because I've been in boardroom meetings with 10 of my competitors sitting right there. And I know what they do. They know what I do. Mm-hmm. And we all approach that type of presentation opportunity quite different. And I don't fake it till I make it. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, when I say yes, it doesn't mean uh, 99% yes. It, it means 101% yes. And, yes. Our, and the, the, our client testimonials speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a college, college degree, Ruben. You know, mm-hmm. I never completed college. But when that, the value of trust and when you have a relationship with someone like that, I, and I hate to say this, but a lot of times those phone calls come in based off client referrals. Mm. Right. And that's the part and value of networking. No, absolutely. And I don't need to be out cold calling, you know, trying to chase, you know, competitors piece of business. If they stub their toe or they're not performing properly, they, they know who we are. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, in a lot of cases, I say we, we bring value and right. that, that value and, and trust and ethics. And then I think, you know, a lot of people say it, 
But uh, obviously with you, you know, having that honesty and being somebody trustworthy, uh, you're able to connect and, and show. Because I think um, I was like to tell a lot of people, honesty is one of those things that's very hard to fake. A lot of people try to to fake it. And now it just, you know, it's, it, it, there's nothing, there's something to be said about being honest and being straightforward with a client or whomever you're talking to. Totally, totally. And I like to say, I mean, I, I dislike the category above my department, sales. And I like to say, I'm not a salesman. I build relationships. And nice. those relationships typically are 10 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Nice. You don't just snap your fingers and get those accidentally. Right. And then that's, you get that repeat client and so forth. Exactly. And- it, it's, it starts self-feeding itself. Right, right. Now, with uh, doing, though, and as you were growing all these clients, mm-hmm. those clients also took you other international places, correct? Absolutely. And I mean, back to that story of, you know, North Mexico or mm-hmm. South Mexico, north to Canada. You know, I've done work in, uh, I don't know, 15 countries, let's say something like that. Mm-hmm. And that really expanded my horizon and my views, you know, both business and and personally, you know, professionally and personal. And I learned that the technology was what would allowed me to be standing in Mexico City building a Home Depot store, uh-huh. but yet still communicating to New York City first world speed. Wow. And then quickly I was like, hmm, I could actually be living in, you know, uh, this type of an environment myself uh-huh. and still being able to perform, execute and cross T dot I. Yeah. And that's when I decided to pers- make the personal transition to re- relocate and reposition myself in 05. Nice. Nice. So I'm taking it you, since you've been there since 05, you're really loving it down there. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I live a different lifestyle, Ruben. I mean, my, my neighbors <laughs> down there are monkeys and crocodiles. But <laughs> people think I'm kidding when I say that. <laughs> no, no. It's funny because you told me once uh, when we met that uh, you invite people to come down all the time, but only about 3% actually take you up on it. So. <laughs> well, I said those are the smart three percenters. <laughs> yeah, those smart three percenters. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I, I hope to join that part of that, that 3% there sometime. We go. I'll pick you up in a Scooby-Doo fun bus. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. You got to check that out. That's going to be awesome. Totally. Yeah, because uh, Costa Rica, I was there a couple of times. And I remember I was up by a volcano for like a couple of days and then spend the rest of the week or another week out by the beach. And it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful countryside down there. Yeah. I mean, and I'd like to say it's not for everyone. I've had some city folks and connections come down and mm-hmm. you know, it's not New York City is what I said. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a be- I call it a beachy jungle. Mm-hmm. So you have to enjoy outdoor environments or at least be open to experiencing them. Right. And for me, I, I tr- truly enjoy it because I'm sitting out back in nature and there's my call birds and monkeys, you know, 50, 100 yards away from me. Wow. And wow. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It makes my work not quite feel like work. Right. Right. It, how would you say on that note that your environment that you've placed yourself in has influenced your work? Oh, totally. I mean, and, and the need, I mean, when I lived in California for years, I mean, uh, I'd say I had uh, a debt, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had homes and cars and, and things like that. And when I say that, because Costa Rica, I've learned to live a very minimalistic lifestyle. Nice. And realizing that you don't need as much makes it even easier to more accepting for the business just flows freely. You know, life is freely. It's much more Mm stress-free, you know, so to speak. At least that's the way I've used it for my learnings and my educational process. And they're learning an entire new culture. Wow. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. That's that's great. And I think that on that note, you know, we'll kind of lead to the second half of your, you know, illustrious career here. That's something that's a little more recent. And I'm really, really interested in hearing a little more about Mm-hmm. Um, cause you said that, right. You know, around COVID and you know, everything kind of slowed down and so forth. 
you love traveling, mm-hmm. you know, COVID, you know, kind of slows down and things start opening back up and you take this opportunity to start traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, ab- absolutely. It uh, obviously coming out of that COVID, there was still some resistance and a lot of folks um, either couldn't or didn't want to or didn't have the ability work-wise to, mm-hmm. to travel. I did. Um, I mean, being remote for so many years, I knew how to to get what I needed and communicate and still execute business. So I had a, I found an opportunity with an organization that they take care of everything. You pay one fee, you know, and basically it's an a la carte menu of some extra activities, but that one fee covers everything basically besides your food element. Mm. So I'm like, well, let me, let me look into this. So I did a four month program fall of 21. Uh-huh. Um, and then the next strain of COVID um, uh, came Omicron. I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> it kicked up. So they offered a discount of like uh-huh. 25%. And I'm like, well, I'm not a mathematics major, but I'll sign up for a year. The, wow. So, so literally traveling around the world cheaper than what I can live in the continental United States. And that educational process was absolutely phenomenal. And when I explained this to a few of my networking groups, the, the, the common response was, Nick, send us some content and information showing how retail, the retail sector and environment is very similar around the world and yet quite different. Wow. So what I did in just a few back and forth conversations with a few colleagues and networking buddies is I created like the little moniker, the retail nomad. The retail nomad. The retail nomad. And that's how it was. That's how it was born. Voila. (laughs) (laughs) And prior to January of 2022, I had never taken a selfie. I'd never taken a look at Nick video Uh uh, looking back. Now, to date, as of now, I've created over 60 videos in over 18 countries around the world. Wow. Showcasing either some segment or facet of retail. It could be inside the brick and mortar store. Mm -hmm. It could be a factory that manufactures all the millwork fixtures, the architectural firm, the companies that actually manufacture the product that sits in a retail store. Mm. I mean, I'm in Spain uh, last year. And a friend, she tells me that I'm getting ready to travel down the coast. She goes, you know, you're going to the olive capital uh, of the world. I'm like, I had no idea. I'm from Ohio. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I go, really? She goes, well, my friend, uh, friend's family, uh, they own their own private, you know, olive oil factory. If you'd like to meet with the CEO and owners, I mean, just connecting A to B naturally, organically. So I got to see the all everything from the farming production to mm-hmm. the bottling production, the canning, the packaging, the shipment, everything. And ultimately, think about it, it ends up on a retail store yeah. shelf. Yep. But a lot of times we don't think about the backstory behind that. Wow. So, I mean, I really, I got a kick out of how diverse my video selections were, you know, and I'm still doing them to this day as of right now. And then, so you travel around with like a whole camera crew and, you know, <laughs> the whole lights and, you know, looking like Hollywood. And, lights, camera, uh, action, baby. <laughs> but so, or is it just, you know, no, just yourself? Or? It's just myself. Just and you, a, huh? And a Samsung cell phone. A Samsung cell phone. <laughs> wow. It's, so uh, you're getting to do all these videos all over the world just with your cell phone. Mm-hmm. And then I, I take it, well, last we talked to you, you're getting some traction. You're getting a lot of traction with these uh, videos, right? It works because there's, I can honestly say, I've had a few people uh, bring this to my attention. No one in the world has done what I've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it in that magnitude, I'm like, what? But, you know, out of everyone in the world, I mean, last year I was in 22 countries, created content in 18 of those countries. Wow. But specific to the retail sector, mm-hmm. there's we found no one. And that's how I was create, able to create that moniker, the retail nomad, because nice. it was quite fitting because it speaks to both um, aspects, you mm-hmm. know, the travel as well as the retail sector itself. So nice. 
kind of unique and it's interesting the response I've received and yeah. the invitations I've had to come and chat with some folks and I love just sit down and chit chatting with people and explaining the story. Wow. And again, tens of thousands of views and so forth. Uh, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of views. Hundreds of thousands of views. Wow. So within there, I mean, I obviously I can intentionally call out some certain brands mm-hmm. or I could even show them segments of interest of how something looks in Southeast Asia, how something looks differently in Europe, you know, or even showing them the positioning to their competitors, if you will. You know, and when mm. I'm walking through a mall, you know, so to speak, mm-hmm. your company ABC, you can see it right across the mall is XYZ. Like, oh, okay. or the European brands that may be in the same category sector that could potentially be coming to U.S. soil. Wow. So you're really leveraging your experience in retail you've had since the 90s and working in all these retail, uh, I think you're calling them uh, units. You know, so mm-hmm. a unit is a store. Multi-unit. It's uh, so a multi-unit, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to different... Mm-hmm. And, and then learning about the different uh, products that these different stores have and, and seeing how you position them and in the light of sort. And then now you're taking that almost in a consultative way, consultative way around the world to see different retails. It, it was so it was the most edu- educational experience I've probably ever had in the travels last year. I mean, and I'll just break it down in simplistic terms. Retail in general, I had no idea where the term came from, where it derived, or mm-hmm. how it originated. Right. Um, long story short, the Silk Road. A lot of people have heard of this. Yeah. You know the garments and things and goods that were produced in Southeast Asia would travel over this road system, labeled the Silk Road because silk was one of the highest value uh, items that they were trying to get to Europe with the, with the wealth of the kings and queens. Right. right. Mm-hmm. The the central point was uh, Istanbul, Turkey. Mm-hmm. That was the first location, the Grand Bazaar, mm-hmm. where they put four walls around a facility. And the, it gave the government the ability to do two things, control the price points and add tax. Mm. And think about that. Now look what we deal with today. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of retail stores around the world. Wow. I mean, think of that. And I was at the originating point of the Grand Bazaar. And when it all came to fruition, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It was so eye-opening. Wow. Wow. You know, I've actually been to the Grand Bazaar and I didn't realize that was like the... First retail center. Most people don't. I had no idea. And wow. I, I, all I've been building retail stores for 25 year, plus years. You know, if you remember on the stamp on that building, I think it's like 1462 mm-hmm. on the outside of the walls. I'm like, 1462. Wow. And that's phenomenal. It's amazing. Know? And look what we do today. Well, you on the commercial real estate side, mm-hmm. me on the last segment of the supply chain puzzle and making the, the space look the way it's designed at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. Pretty so cool. from your 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 travels internationally and seeing all these retail, could you give us a couple of, you know, one or two, I would say, bullet points of one of how similar, I guess, retail similar? Because, like, you know, when you go around the world and shop, you go in and shop. But I also, uh, from you know, I like to travel as well. Notice there, there's differences, you know, either different products. Uh, I know, for example, McDonald's doesn't sell the same sandwich everywhere. Although the French fries will be the same no matter what part of the world you go to. Mm-hmm. But the items on the menu are going to be a little bit different because mm-hmm. of that culture or that country. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like similarities or what, you know, some some things you maybe can point out. Well, I mean, I think you hit on something there. I mean, they do change maybe the product mix or they, they put their own flair based off their local cultural or demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Um Very few brands or retail chains are worldwide. I mean, there's only a few of them, right? Right. And uh, I mean, I don't know if there's any one segment that does jump out, 
But the one thing I would say that uh, I could see across the board is technology. I mean, it's here. COVID, I think, truly hit turbo, you know, mm -hmm. and where we were going yes. with our technology growth. The point uh, that I've made to a few others is I was truly blown away, though, by how Southeast Asia, you know, being relatively, uh, depending on where you are, uh, the technology there is is truly eye-opening. They're far, mm. so much further advanced than we are in North America. Really? I, I mean, just one example I give is there was one mall I attended, uh, visited in uh, Bangkok, um, uh, Siam Discovery. And mm -hmm. the entire mall, I think it's five to seven floors, was entire touchless, um, cashless. So it was just like Amazon, uh, Amazon's just walkout technology. Mm -hmm. The entire mall was that way. Oh, really? So we're excited here when Amazon has it in a few stores. Right. right? You know, they may have it in 100 now. I don't know what, they, I don't know what the number is. Maybe they're up to 1,000. But my point, the entire mall there was this way. So is that the RFID type of uh... same exact component? You mm -hmm. you know the app you put in your your credit card information, so it attaches and you know you scan in, scan out. Oh, scan in on your phone. Okay. Yeah, I mean each each one was a little bit uh, different um, segment. I don't know if they used the, the consistent technology. To be honest, I don't think I've purchased anything at that specific mall. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was just the entire mall had that technology ca component to it. Right. Pretty eye opening, right? That is amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> So that that takes a, the whole AI to kind of a another level because now you know you got people probably helping with the different products, but when you're checking out, you take it and well, and think about that. The technology was going that way for a number of years. Now with what we've learned with COVID mm -hmm. and the the visualization and the idea mindset, I don't want to touch these things. I don't want to touch the keypad. I don't right. want it, you know exchanging my money, the cash. Mm -hmm. Now it's truly a ta uh, touchless, frictionless transaction. Wow. And then I, I know um, I remember with ICSC, so I get some of the reports and I was trying to read some of the articles and so mm -hmm. forth. And it's amazing how retail in general is driving a lot of the technology. Um, some of the stuff that's spilling over now into, uh, you know, the office sector and industrial, obviously the whole supply chain thing was such a mess because of the just demand, the sheer demand of, of things and what COVID kind of brought along with, uh, with, so with, the restrictions of being able to get the supplies there. Absolutely. Um, but uh, retail is, is, is definitely, I hear a lot of people say, Oh, retail is, uh, it's, it's one of those sectors that, um, you know, everybody was afraid that COVID was going to wipe out, you know, the whole retail <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, sector. And obviously, uh, you know, now on this side of things here in 2023, we've learned that's not the case at all because if retail is thriving, absolutely. Doing well, absolutely. And I, I like to say, I mean, I, I think during those few years, I mean, a lot of those Fortune 500 companies hit the pause button on expenditures, right? They're mm -hmm. CapEx. Now they've kind of released that button and they're like, we need to freshen these locations up. Right. So they made a lot of a lot of coin you know, on the e-commerce omni-channel side. And thankfully, now they're spending that on the brick and mortar side. So I'm sure you get to see that in the real estate transaction, the leasing side of the, of yeah. the business. Whereas we're the, that final component, we get to see, you know, some nice programs rolling through the uh, across the desk. Nice, nice. So this, uh, the retail nomad has your videos and then you, you're posting these. And one thing I, you know, definitely inspired because I'm, uh, although I have the podcast now I'm working on, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get into more of the video side of things mm -hmm. and trying to do some things you've, you've totally, uh, blew away the whole, well, you need to have like a professional degree in photography. So you had never did a selfie before January of 2022. Correct. So about a year change. Yeah. yeah. And I got hundreds of thousands of views on these videos. That's amazing. And dude, I'm just, I'm me, just a real guy, just, you know, making, making stores look like the way stores are designed and you know, got my hat on backwards in Thailand, walking through and 
hot out and sweaty walking through a mall, you know, just <laughs> showing truly how retail is the same and yet quite different around the world. Right. Right. You know? That's amazing. Any, um, anything, you, predictions for the future for retail that you see kind of coming across or, you know, any new, new technology type stuff or, or, uh, that you're, that you're comfortable sharing? Well, yeah, I guess it, uh, I still think we're going to see that my migration of growth of a more of that touchless frictionless. I think that's going to continue to expand here, mm -hmm. uh, because of that, that fear and that mindset that we've, we've come across here beyond that. I mean, Omni channels growing and there's purchase on mobile and all this. I think in our generation, we're still going to see 60, 70% of all purchasing, you know, at a brick and mortar store location. Okay. Now it may originate on sitting at home with a computer on the cell, mm -hmm. educating themselves on the product selection they'd like to make. And then a lot of people are still touch and feel, you know, mm -hmm. one study I, or one stat I heard was 30% of the U.S. population has now born, been born with Amazon, right? Mm. And so they are kind of groomed and, and uh, programmed, you know, for that process. But yet that means still 60-some percent of us are not. You know? Right. Yeah, I, I'm not the average consumer. But, you know, my point is it still requires a lot of that touch feel. And people are realizing you could buy three of the shirts, but now you got to return two of them. Mm -hmm. And it, is it as easy as what it sounds? But that still drives them into the retail. If you yep. look, look at Cole's program – you know, with mm -hmm. the Amazon return, you know, they, it still brings the foot traffic into the brick and mortar outlet. Yeah. You know, what does that do? Cole's numbers have spiked, you nice. know? So it's still, there's a lot of that touch and feel need that's out there, which, you know, it feeds my business. It feeds yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess a couple of uh, nuggets as I like to say, you know, takeaway. First of all, he said, be honest, you know, kind of be yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, you're not the fake and make, fake it to a make it type of person you just Hey, this is what I can do. And yes means yes, a hundred percent. So the honesty, and I, I think there was a underlining, uh, uh, networking. It sounds like you have a very strong network. Obviously that's how we met is, uh, through, uh, through Matt, Matt, a little shout out to you, buddy, Kudos, uh, Matt. that, uh, he put us together through a networking type of dinner. Uh, so we can all get to know each other and, and understand a little bit about Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I'll just uh, make a few little uh, short statements here. Execution. I like to say that we truly are the industry leader in installation services throughout the Americas. You know, so we don't want to oversell and under deliver, you know, type of thing. So right. we only cover and we only do what we do in the markets that we do it within. Right. Nice. On the networking side, I'd like to say that um, if you jump to my LinkedIn page that I, I know you've been on there, but I'm part of a group called The Mob. Right. So uh -huh. everyone's heard of The Mob and we didn't have to, you know. Uh, create a name to try to make it tricky for memorization, but this is an acronym and it stands for multiple opportunities for your business. Wow. So we, we've created, um, I think I've been a member of the mob group for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, the only non-competitive supply chain supporting group in our industry. Wow. So think of this at any other show or conference that you've ever attended, it's always, why is Coke better than Pepsi? Why is B B McDonald's better than Burger King or Mercedes better than BMW? Mm -hmm. We are the only non-competitive event in in the retail sector or commercial QSR, mm -hmm. you know, fine, uh, dining, to where you come in. And it's truly about building a relationship. Where, where are your pain points today? You mm -hmm. might not need installation. So you might not need us to install you know, your fixtures or your millwork or your core signage. But, oh, my goodness, you have a problem with, you know, logistics or architectural or signage. You know, mm -hmm. you should chat with Susie, Billy, or Mikey. You know, so nice. it's, it's that very warm introduction. And yes. it's more listening to the folks and not trying to sell to them. Wow. Yeah. We're, we even say, we if we if we have somebody that tries a hard sale pitch, mm -hmm. we sit them down, have a nice chat with them. 
And if they continue, we have to replace them because that's not our premise. Nice. It's more about learning and listening and helping one another, both on the vendor side mm-hmm. and on the retail, you know, commercial brand side. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's awesome. So definitely leveraging your network, which kind of leads me, I guess, I won't say the last, but the one of the other points is I would say it's being fearless. Because like, hey, pulling out that phone, traveling around the world and say, I'm just going to go ahead and do these videos to the point that you now you have all these views and you have all these things, you're getting a lot of traction. Um, kudos to you, buddy. Uh, that's an amazing work and that's good. It, so that speaks a volume about you know who you are. Dude, I love it. I mean, I truly say it, it's, it's educational. It's entertaining. I don't watch TV, right? So I explained to my family that I, I live reality TV. I create it. I don't watch it. <laughs> you live reality TV. Nice. <laughs> I mean, there's every, I, I've had some funny stories out there and seeing, you know, 22 countries. I mean, it's pretty mm-hmm. eye-opening <laughs> what you can witness. That's awesome. Awesome. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I can send you. I don't know if you, how you uh, incorporate yeah, we'll that. Put your LinkedIn and yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, and I don't do most of the newer social media platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more old school with that. I, my mother is still on uh, you know Facebook, so I use Facebook and LinkedIn okay. and I, on a YouTube channel. Perfect. We'll put those links on the description uh, awesome. for this podcast. And I want to thank you once again for taking uh, some time out of your busy day. And uh, as you're here in Miami, you know, and, and traveling around the world. Um, thank you for uh, sharing some of your story and hopefully uh, you have a little inspiration for somebody listening. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm taking away a little more of like, let me get on this video because I know video, especially short videos are like the thing now that mm-hmm. you really need to get on that wagon to, to start getting more of your content and some of the, some of your um, things. You did win that too long ago, what influencer, one of the influencer uh, award for being an influencer. Yeah, it, uh, in January of this year, I was uh, notified that I uh, won what's called the Top Retail Influencer of 2023 Award for, nice. for last year's content development and creation. Well, congratulations so, on that. We need to give kudos to the Rethink Retail team out there and, and Paula from Lisbon, Portugal. Thank you, Perfect. Paula. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Well, um, appreciate our time with Nick. As always, uh, please share uh, this podcast with anybody. You can find the podcast on anywhere you like to get your podcast content, Apple uh, podcasts or Spotify. And uh, please also consider uh, joining me in supporting a small not-for-profit here in Miami called Christina's Academy. Christina's Academy uh, offers uh, uh, less privileged uh, children the opportunity to uh, get a better education and a better view of today's world. Thank you very much. Until next time, this is Ruben the Cuban. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Ruben.